into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. Okay, so I've had a tell you something i didn't do this week mention israel on facebook at all because mm, um curious <laughs> that seems like uh it's shit is really getting to a point where this this divide that exists very commonly even in the left where people are like um left or liberal but still really pro-israel it seems like that's coming to a head like it's we're reaching a point where people really have to defend this shit yeah and uh, I didn't. Ju- <laughs> a, I've already been visited by the authorities this week. And B, well, okay. A, A point uh, B, <laughs> sub sub point to that. Mossad seems like they would fuck you up way harder than uh, what happened to me. But the other thing about that is I just didn't want to get into like a conversation with like family Jews? members Jake? of mine. Oh, okay. Oh, no, no, no. Because, it, but there are tons of Jews that are, like, against mm, yeah. this whole right. Israel situation. Like Adam Friedland, for example. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's not, that's the, exactly the argument that they hit you with is, uh, oh, it's, it's anti-Semitic to be against this, like, this state that's, yeah. like, sort of an ethno-state. Um, but it's not. It's about the state itself, you right? Know? And that's because this was like my first sort of uh, time that I questioned the sort of broad church of identity politics. Was uh, I remember you know five, six, seven years ago um, when I was st- still getting into this stuff? Like people like Norman Finkelstein were pointing out how. That's used as a bludgeon, the anti-Semitism charge, to defend everything Israel does. And that's, you know, was kind of my a, a moment of clarity as far as, like, maybe uh, this isn't always, this can be used in, a, in, in bad faith. You know, critiquing, calling out someone's, you know, blind spots with um, bigotry or whatever. You know, being able to say, like, this is a Jewish state, so by virtue of criticizing this state, you are criticizing the religion. You know, like that's been something that's been going on a while now, and now it's starting to we're we're starting to see the bullshit more. All right, so I have anti-Semite comedian Anders Lee yes. with me here t- today. Um, we're doing a, a two two man ep um, because I'm going on tour, so we got to bank a bunch of episodes. So we'll be recording uh, a couple of things like this, sort of a little little mini, uh, you know bite-sized tapas episodes. Nom, nom, nom. Uh-huh. And we'll, uh, yeah, we'll fucking f- dole them out to you, you little content pigs. They need your little, your little treats. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, we, we, there's a main thing we, we're going to get into today, but, but just to go around what's going on in the news. Um, yeah, Israel fucking killed 50 Palestinians and the original like New York Times stories on it were like 50 Palestinians slipped on a banana peel and fell you know they really exact like just played like downplayed the fact that uh 
people were just straight up murdered. Yeah, I mean, to them, it's that's still like half an Israeli, you know, 50 Palestinians if you're the New York Times. Like, yeah. it doesn't really start counting unless you hit triple digits as a murder. Yeah, uh, Palestinians are like um, stormtroopers. Right. Israelis, like, oh my God, you killed Han Solo. Um,. Or something. I don't know. <laughs> don't that The IDF probably models shit off of the stormtroopers. I'm sure they like watch Star Wars for like guidance. Yeah, that sounds crazy. But the more you like, you really get down into political like wormholes, and you read about like, you know, you ever read that thing about how the Iraq War, like the weapons of mass destruction thing, was uh, somebody just basically watched the movie The Rock and then stole <laughs> yeah. the the concept of these like little glass globes full of poison from. It was completely made up for that movie. It's never existed. That was, like, the justification <laughs> that they used to get into Iraq. So, like, I don't know. I wouldn't have, I'm not surprised by anything anymore. Osama bin Laden is a gamer. Like, what? what uh, nothing's real. He was? I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you got to talk to Raghav about this. Uh, they, so they, you know, finally somehow cracked into, or they released the records on um, finding Osama bin Laden's, like, laptops and shit when they raided him. But they, they came out, they were declassified, like, last year, and what what was weird about it was that he, um, they, you know, they found a bunch of, like, porn on his laptop, and they also found, like, Final Fantasy VII, which is my favorite video game of all time. So it's really wow. weird to know that you have that much in common with Osama Bin Laden, but huh. also, the, like, story of Final Fantasy VII is, like, it's it makes you go, wait, wait a minute, he... Ooh, he probably related uh, really hard to that. The story of Final Fantasy VII is it starts with uh, these characters that are part of like um, sort of an eco-terrorist organization, but they're 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 activists, but they're labeled as terrorists by the government. Um, the is gov- this in like sort of our world, or is it in a total mystical realm? It, or it's like of- a cyberpunk future kind okay. of realm. Yeah. They live in this city called Midgar, and the city is one kind of giant reactor that sucks this energy called Mako out of the Earth, and you, uh, they're using it to create like all sorts of modern technology and stuff, and mm. you know they create um, this thing called Materia, which is how you, you use weapons to fucking shoot fire yeah. and lightning at people, yada, yada, yada. So the entire world runs on Mako, right? And uh, the, you know, the, only pe- the people that have figured this out, or th- that have figured out that this is like kind of a bad idea, are these, um, these, these eco-activist terrorists called Avalanche, which you're part of. And there's like a guy with like he's got a, he's an amputee he's missing an arm and he just has a fucking Gatlin gun for an arm right. and uh, you're like this weird um, um, like ex uh, you know special ops guy with a fucking sword and uh, one sleeve because it's made by weird anime you know Square Enix or whatever but it's like so they eventually sort of overthrow and topple this company called Shinra which basically becomes like merged with the government mm-hmm. um it's like eerily similar <laughs> to you know i don't know a lot of uh it's, it's one of those things like when you're watching star wars and you're like wait a minute the yeah. the good guys are the the 9 hijackers or whatever <laughs> so you're saying that uh bin laden took the sacred text that is final fantasy and misinterpreted and bastardized it to his own ruthless ends yeah that's exactly okay. what i'm saying <laughs> i think uh and it, it sounds like a joke, but, like, he played that game, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, I, it's weird to, to know that you guys both liked the same uh, <laughs> the same story, I guess. Right. Um, 
and he was you know who, who knows he he might be what a lot of these like mass shooters and stuff are which is a dork that's weaponized you mm-hmm. know um i don't know but uh anyway don't know what to believe anymore was the point of that um like is john mccain alive <laughs> i thought he was dead until 10 minutes ago uh, he's still hanging on, apparently. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think um, there's... Fucking Maverick. There's, you know? Yeah. He's not... He's refusing to die. <laughs> Just when you think he's going to live, he <laughs> dies. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really funny because he always does that shit where he, yeah. like, he switches the last minute. Like, <laughs> bow, 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 cool or whatever. <laughs> so my my theory on John McCain is that his whole thing for this uh, you know this week is that he's he's dying and he's like, don't let that man come to my funeral you know uh, trump or whatever even though you voted with him 83 percent of the time like what is this weird stand you're taking but everyone forgets his he's a maverick and he always right. switches at the last minute so i think right before he dies he's gonna be like check this out donald trump you're allowed to come to my funeral <laughs> and then die and then just sort of be like winking and doing finger guns as he flatlines or he's like i am donald trump you ever <laughs> seen them in the same room <laughs> yeah 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 oh i am pagliacci <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so if anyone wants to keep anders updated by creating a is john mccain dead app that would help all of us because you know we worry and uh frankly i'm I'm waiting because, you know, it's going to be probably a funny day on Twitter or whatever. Fuck that guy. Um, Jesus. There's all these people like, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's all these like celebrities right now that are um, like caping for McCain. And then also, um, I don't know, taking weird stances about the Israel thing, like blaming, uh, you know, the left for this happening and stuff. Yes. Um like Hal Sparks has now joined the weird Michael Ian Black, uh, Andy Richter sort of like old dudes of Twitter that want to like preach to you about pragmatism and shit. Mm. Do you remember that guy? Hal Sparks. Right. Uh, exactly. What show was he on? He was on like I Love the 80s. Oh, okay. VH1 sort of a talking head. Yeah, he was one of the. About talking heads. Uh huh. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> uh, I wonder if that was addressed on the show. But he, he was like. Um, He's like one of those comedians that's like um, kind of like a metrosexual back when that was a oh, thing. Oh, yes. Like sort of an Eddie Izzard type. Yeah, but as you, Eddie Not Izzard's even, like a yeah, like a full on like you know gender bending yes. like you know I think he's full, Lizard. fully trans now or whatever. Right. Uh, Eddie, yeah, a, a lizard person, yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, that's what non-binary people should. Lizard <laughs> <laughs> <Izzard> people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some fucking re- like weird uh, Alex Jones listener that's got a conspiracy. They're, yeah, they're izzard people. It goes all the way to the top. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but but Hal Sparks was this dude who was like, I don't know, like he he looked like he was trying to convince you into he was into rock and roll, but like he bought his rock and roll outfit at Target. So it was like designer jeans and then like a black t-shirt, but it was probably like a $50 black t-shirt and then like eyeliner and a hair gel. Like okay. that type. A kiss lapel. Yeah. Yeah. Like a real lame faux rock dude or whatever. You'd fucking uh, 15 years ago on right. VH1 and now suddenly. Also an expert in political science. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Which theory. is so weird that we just like perpetually. We keep doing this. We keep stepping on the same rake, which is like believing in this myth that 
someone has someone should be listened to someone should be trusted com- just simply by virtue of them having been successful in the entertainment industry on some level i don't know why this is a thing like there are people that you should tr- like are smart and they're you know famous because they're smart and then there are people that kind of overlap <laughs> yeah uh which is why we're so famous yes. <laughs> if those two right? things are correlated um, it's because we are smart that we are not famous. Actually, <laughs> um, goes yeah. all the way to the top. Yeah, we're we're tortured, the crow dudes, man. <laughs> um, but like, I just keep thinking about this because, you know, one of my the things that I've been sort of like um, into and so I've been reading a lot about and I feel kind of passionately about is the Sesta Fosta thing, and um, you know, I'm just like really. I, I don't understand how Amy Schumer got away with promoting this thing and then ha- has to have been tweeted at m- multiple times about how it was kind of a dick move right. and just completely went on all blase with her life. Went on then to, like, you know, a week ago, go to the go to Caroline's and, like, interrupt this guy's breakout headlining set from the audience and demand to do 10 minutes so she could practice for Saturday Night Live. Like... I don't. This is crazy, right? Crazy person. But I always kind of assume that someone has to have mentioned to her, like, "Do you know this Sesta Fosta thing is actually bad?" And it's either happened, and she's turned around, and uh, you know, just kind of like, "Well, whatever, PR mistake." Uh, you know, if I apologize, then I'm fucked. Or just refuses to believe it. And are I'm, you sure, though? Because, I, I mean, these people are so insulated just in general that I wouldn't be surprised if no one has brought it to her attention or she's had no exposure to... Yeah, I don't know. I think that might be the case because, like, God, you know, Seth Meyers ate at my job the other day and I missed him because I was out on delivery, but, like, uh-huh. I would have fucking talked to him. I would have, like, tricked yeah. him. I'd be like, hey, I'm a comedian. Can I get your autograph? Can you sign... This, you know, in the right. end of a pamphlet or something. By the way, shout out to Ezra Klein, who I saw at my job on Sunday and <laughs> congratulated him for kicking Sam Harris's ass. Nice. And he was like, I thought was not what I was expecting you to say. Um, <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. I could have held his feet to the fire about, no, I, I would have, that would have been a bad idea for me to criticize him in any way, but. You wouldn't have gotten twenty percent. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 based on like the service calculations, I believe it was more of an eighteen point eight percent appropriate tip. <laughs> oh man, that's a fun bit. Him getting brunch or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm um shit faced off of these mimosas. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get some more hollandaise sauce. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you might be right. I mean, they might be like fully just insulated, but then it's like. They're also free from criticism, right? Uh, in a lot of ways, like Amy Schumer just fly. That was a dick move. Like I don't care, I don't care who you are, right? <laughs> I, I don't care who you are, right there. That's that's funny, right there. I'm doing a Larry ca- Larry the Cable Guy bit. Um, no, what I, what I meant to say was like, there are some people that sort of came to her defense and were like, everyone always attacks women comedian or whatever. But that was a dick move, no matter who you are, because it wasn't just yeah. a bump. Famous people, right? That's like the. The that yes, that is the same exact thing as the Israel analogy, you know, because <laughs> because of anti-Semitism that doesn't justify Israel doing shit. Uh, exact same comparison to Amy Schumer, you know. Yeah, one in well, the same, really. That's uh, kind of why she I, is responsible. <laughs> yeah, for Gaza. Amy Schumer killed fifty people at Caroline's. <laughs> 
And you know, the New York Times just isn't going rep- to you're not going to report on it. Right. They just died. No, she uh she showed up to this guy uh what is it Brandon, Brandon Sagalow? Yeah. His breakout comedy headlining set, which is like Caroline's as a club that does something really cool for New York comics, which is that they move you up pretty fast. And like if you prove your your worth there to the bookers, they'll yeah. give like people that are just, you know, the spot people. Hannah Boone. Yeah. Shout out to her. She's doing it tonight. Killer comic. Fucking A. Hannah Boone's really funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they'll give like people like us, like your headlining set in fucking Manhattan, you know, in like a uh, Times Square area or whatever. That's that's really cool. And so for the for people to achieve that, it's like this huge fucking deal. Um, so it's not just bumping someone. It's not just showing up and going, oh, hey, I, I need to do a spot. So they're going to put you on next week or whatever. It's like yeah. shitting all over someone's right. like life work. And it also kind of sucks that this flew under the radar because this could have been something he could have parlayed into something that like, oh, I'm the guy who got interrupted by Amy Schumer. I'm going to get booked on this thing or whatever. But it seems like that's not really happening. He could have got smeared in the New York Post. Yeah. You got to capitalize on these motherfucking things. Um, I'm not even joking. I mean, like... I would be an idiot if I didn't, like, connect myself to the story. Because there's a point to, like, what happened to me. But also, like, as long as I got this tour coming up, might as well use what I'm saying to get, you know, people that agree with me to come out to my shows and shit, you know? Um, But I thought he handled it pretty pretty well, though. It was a pretty classy way of handling it. Because she really put him in a situation where if he had said no, everyone would have hated him. So he just had to go, like, ladies and gentlemen, Amy Schumer, you know? Uh Um, so I think at least he got, you know, the story there was that he was a class act, but, uh, yeah. but he could have, I don't know. He should, like, people should go look this guy up now because, you know, it's, he's clearly a cool guy, you know? Right. I think. I don't know him that well. <laughs> Maybe he's an anti-Semite. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I remember, I'm not sure if I'm, was going to tell a story that about someone who might be him, but I don't remember if it was the same person. That's probably, also probably that's a, best to leave off air. That's a so. great plan. Yeah. <laughs> we should, uh. Let's not, yes. Let's smear him willy-nilly and then at uh-huh. the end of it realize you're talking about Carlos Delgado or something. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I don't know. So, Schumer, Amy Schumer got away with, with this ad promoting Sesta which is actually bad, but you have to look into it to figure out that it's bad, Mm -hmm. and nothing ever happened. And it it just makes me wonder, because, like, you know, I got this story out, and I kind of used the platform I had this week with Chapo and shit to compare what happened to me with how they sell SESTA-FOSTA and, like, try to get get the word out and get people interested. And I had, like, my sister just message me, like, today, and she was like, can you explain the SESTA-FOSTA thing? Right. And so I did, and she was like, oh, great, that's it's an interesting take, can you send me more stuff? And I was like, wow, you know, you do really forget that people outside of your direct scene, like, yeah. have to have things re-explained. Like, they don't, people just don't know any of this shit, you know? Right. Um, so, uh, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what to do about that, but I, I do think it's funny, because, so I made this joke on Twitter, just basically combining these two things, and I went, um, you know, Amy Schumer just interrupted my set to talk about Sesta Fosta. Like, that was just the bit. Just smash those two things together. Um, and then all these people thought it was real because I guess they follow me from political Twitter and not they don't, don't know the story of her interrupting that guy or whatever. And I was going to correct them, but I let them all get mad at it for a few days because 
I was like, maybe, maybe if enough of these people all tag her at the same time, she'll have to look <laughs> uh, at it. But uh, to no avail. She has like 4 million Twitter followers, so I'm sure she just doesn't check updates and shit like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're listening, that that wasn't real. That was just, she did both of those two separate things. Right. You know. Well, we don't know the material she did. <laughs> you know, maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. it was. <laughs> what if, uh, yeah, her next special is just like, Whores! <laughs> you know what you did. You deserve to die. Um, it's a crime. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Everyone's like, this is feminist as fuck. <laughs> I don't know why she talked like Tom Waits in that. <laughs> she changes her voice, too. I don't know, man. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> if you see Seth Myers or Amy Schumer on the street... Please tell them that that was a shitty thing to do and, uh, you know, that they should maybe take it down. Well, it's already passed, but I don't know. I don't know. So that's kind of the end of my piece on that. But the main event of this episode here is um, something that I learned about fairly recently and that Anders Lee here is way smarter than me about, uh, which is that Dennis Kucinich kicks ass. Um, Mm. (laughs) I wasn't really aware because when I was – when he was running for president, I was 16, so uh, I, you know, was d- doing, like, whippets and shit, <laughs> and um, I was an idiot. Um, hanging out in the back of an El Camino, just like that Sum 41 song. Um, but you've enlightened me, so I guess what we should do for this week is, uh, Anders Lee, please explain Dennis Kucinich to me. All right, so uh, that's what you were doing when you were 16. I was... Um, deep in the work, the life and times of Congressman Dennis Kucinich. That's uh, <laughs> was my biggest interest as a, a teenager. One of them. Um, he was one of my heroes. So you were like fucking like a lot, right? <laughs> I was deep <laughs> in Kucinich. He really looks out for his supporters. He, uh, um, well, he does have a thing for redheads. <laughs> I didn't mean you were fucking into. him. I just meant you were a 16-year-old who had a lot to say about Dennis Kucinich. I, well, that, that much is absolutely true. <laughs> Which uh, clearly it was, uh, you know, <laughs> you're one of the cool ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so he, this is before, as I was starting to get politicized, um, I was for a long time sort of a, a liberal social democrat, um, I, but I didn't really know what those terms meant so much. I, I was, you know, uh, looking at things through the, you know, the framework we're given. And I remember getting interested around uh, the time Obama was running for president. And uh, in the New York Times, they had this thing that was like everybody's health care plan. And everybody had a really wonky proposal that didn't, didn't really amount to universal coverage. And Kucinich... His was very simple and just like everyone should have health care. It's just a right. And I just got into this guy, um, as I did at the time with Ralph Nader and Bernie Sanders, who at the time were considered jokes. All three of them were oh, like this, this not, clown car. That's not true. You didn't know who Bernie Sanders was until uh, 2016, right. according Still to I the did, Internet. Right. And before I discovered that, yeah, I could... Um, because I hated Hillary Clinton so much. I found out about Bernie Sanders on the um, online harassment message boards yeah. that I frequent, you know? where we do sexism. I was deployed, yeah. Um, but Kucinich, who you know is is I guess kind of relevant this week because he uh, lost a bid for the Democratic 
nomination in Ohio to run for governor, um, which was kind of a bummer. But it's interesting because the guy who's running against Richard Cordry any other year would have been thought of as the Kucinich of that race because he's coming. He was head of the Consumer uh, Financial Protection Board, which was founded by which um, Elizabeth Warren helped create. Uh, he's a very, you know, pretty progressive attorney general of Ohio. He was he stood up to. Um, insurance companies and stuff, but it's not to the degree that Kucinich was. So Kucinich saw an opening in this race and was like, I'm actually going to say we can do even better than this. Um, and we'll get to that, that race in a minute. But Kucinich, fascinating guy. He's short. He's like 5'7", <laughs> uh, which is used as an excuse to – and we, in one of the articles we read, like, they asked somebody in like 2003, 2004, like Kucinich has all these great ideas. Why can't you support him? Like, and he's like, well, he just doesn't. He's not going to be president. Well, why not? Because he's, you know, it's going to be someone who's taller. Yeah, you one, know? one of my favorite things about that uh, my t- Matt Tybee piece yes. he sent me f- uh, from like 2003 about his presidential bid was um, like that. There's this this thing called called the Dennis Kucinich paradox, which was that like because someone has the right politics, therefore they can't win. Yeah, and so he he was looking at all the the, the two Johns, the two guys that were tall and named John that he was <laughs> running against, John Edwards and John Kerry, and was like, um, these people are going to win like precisely because we all collectively believe in the myth that they have to be kind of like meaningless, and yeah. they also. They, they they treat their audiences like they're babies, while like someone like Kucinich treats eighteen year olds like they're adults. Right. So they exactly. were they were talking about that person who um he, he talked to uh, from John Edwards camp who was like um they were just giving out hot dogs and the hot dogs the sign on the hot dog stand said uh, free hot dogs puppy love and he mm-hmm. goes he goes maybe you shouldn't put the word puppy in this next to these hot dogs because people. Don't want, they want to think about hot dog like puppies when they're eating hot dogs, you know, because it might make you imagine you're eating dogs. Like that's a, <laughs> a myth or whatever. And the woman's just like, but people just love puppies. <laughs> like, that, that's the political strategy of mainstream Democrats is like you're a bunch of fucking little babies and we're just going right. to kind of offer yeah. you a bunch of platitudes. And- yeah, yeah. And that was at the time when uh – and this goes into the paradox thing, like at the time when we, the idea of the presidency, just the model of it is platitude speaking white guy. <laughs> and then we update it a little bit and like it can be platitude speaking black guy. Yeah. And then now it's like insane person. <laughs> and hopefully we can transcend into person who actually has concrete ideas for transforming um the world and the country in a more humane direction, uh, which Kucinich has been doing all along. He was from Cleveland, Ohio, um, ch- child of a a truck driver who lived in Cleveland, and he had like six or seven siblings. He was the oldest, and they would they moved twenty one times before he was eighteen. So he would be tasked with finding the next place for them to live, uh, and it's it very interesting because in one of the profiles we read um and this is something that according to the reporter this this is something that they had to dig up this wasn't something Kucinich volunteered but he uh now lives in the same house he his own since like the 70s in Cleveland and there's a family that just moved in 
uh, down the block from him, and he like this, and it's like a working class black family who moved in, and he went over to their house and introduced himself, just like this old white guy, and they were like kind of <laughs> taken aback by it. And uh, he was like, "Oh, you don't you don't have any furniture?" And they're like, "No, we can't really afford it." And he just gave them his furniture. Oh, that fucking rules! Yeah, he's just like because he remembers what it's like to be poor. Like he grew up just with nothing. Oh, um, he reminds me of this guy, Mattress Mac from Houston, who uh, was like an ex crackhead that started a furniture warehouse, and uh, everyone loved him. He's like locally beloved uh, guy. And during uh, the hurricane last year. Uh, Joel Austin wouldn't open the doors of his <laughs> yeah. mega church, so Mattress Mac was like, fuck that, come on into the furniture store. He totally saved the day. Good man. Yeah. That also, I don't know, the story kind of oddly reminds me of uh, one of the one of the other footnotes of the reasons I just re- like remember Kucinich was because uh, when 30 Rock was on the air, there was this weird joke uh, where I think Liz Lemon is talking to um, Tracy Jordan, that's his name in the show, and his wife. And she's like, I, I support Obama, like as a way, like you're black, so I support Obama. And Tracy Morgan's wife goes, we support Kucinich. <laughs> <laughs> and I never really got that joke, but it's like the joke is that they're like, no, they're politically, like they have politics too that aren't just. Uh-huh. And Kucinich, Kucinich is, you know, like a leftist and a fucking radical, and he's cool. Yeah, well, kind of. I mean, he um, was so he ended up. Uh, Going to, you know, he got really good grades in school. And there's this actually story about it. he used to be um, on the football team. Like this tiny guy was a quarterback who was third string for a while. And he eventually started as a quarterback at his like high school football team. Um, <laughs> he's just a, an amazing, like he's been down so many. T- and that's why it's like uh, when he was running for president, people were like, you, you can't win. Like, why are you running? And the lesson that we've kind of taken that from that now is like, okay, maybe he couldn't, but he his ideas are getting out there, and he's like planting right, seeds, right, right. and he believed in that. But at the time, you can tell he actually thought he was gonna win. There's a, this guy has been like on just at the bottom so many times and managed to make a huge comeback. Yeah, he's like a tall tale. Yeah, um, there was a, th- a thing in that a article that I, <laughs> that I take that Dennis Kucinich. <laughs> um, there's a thing in that article that I liked where they talked about uh, how when you're you're on a campaign like that, like even even if people are telling you you're not going to win, they likened it to a phrase from martial arts, which is that like you can't you'll lose if you're fighting to save your life, um, mm. which is you know that if it, it it reminded me of a saying that I remember from when I used to be a big gambler. Uh, I used to play a lot of poker back when that was a thing, mm-hmm. and uh, I still would play. It's just that people don't are not into it anymore. It was very fun, and I had a little bit of a I was hooked on a little bit. But uh, but there's a saying I liked a lot, which is "scared money doesn't win," because oh. if you go if you go to sit down to play some cards and you're like, "I have to make rent," you won't win because it'll affect all the decisions you make, and you won't play on like principles. You know, right. you'll like. You'll be afraid to take risks and things like that or whatever. So that was a really interesting analogy to being someone who has the Dennis Kucinich paradox or whatever. Like, you just have to do what you're doing as if you were going to win or yeah. completely regardless just based on principle. And then the effect of it after the fact is like, well, you shifted everything. And that's still good, you know. Right. Or, or you win. Or you win, yeah. yeah. And he's just put it all on the line a bunch of times. I mean, he so he ran for city council and lost, and then there's – uh, thing in the article about how he was a, a theater 
dude, which I didn't know this part of it, but he wrote this like avant-garde play called Insanity that uh, this the, the one of the theater people in Cleveland was like, this is really good. Like, this is holy shit. I can't believe like a kid from Cleveland wrote this. Cool. And uh, and like after he lost um his campaign for city council the first time uh he went to his old professor and was like what should i do should i do theater and politics or Wait. theater and politics and his professor was like well they're basically the same thing it's just uh politics has like is worse writing his professor was ronald reagan or something <laughs> or roger stone yeah i uh oh man that's fucking wild like yeah. I just want to know what his crazy theater years were like and what yeah, that play Yeah, I want to is. get a copy of that. I mean, I'm just imagining having a phase where he dresses up like Klaus Nomi and shit. <laughs> and he's like wearing fucking leotards and screaming and shit. Uh-huh. Just shitting in a bucket as like a, a, a performance art thing. Um, right. I mean, he probably like... Yeah, we can probably get a copy of it. Let's see if we... I'll reach out. I'll find a way. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, we'll act it out in the local theater uh, public thing or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so he ends up he he ends up going into politics. He dedicates his his life to that and gets elected to city council pretty quickly. He's like twenty nine, elected mayor of Cleveland, which was a big deal at the time. Um, and he comes in and he's like running against the the establishment politics in the city, um, and. Pretty soon, there's a big thing he has to contend with where they, the city council wants to sell the Cleveland's municipal electrical company, Muni Light, and he refuses to do it. And because of that, the bank that, um, that Cleveland gets money from defaults on their loan because they want him to do this. Everybody wants him to do this. And he just refuses, flat out refuses. They try to recall him. He wins by a hair. Um, and there's actually a, was somebody tried to take out a hit on him. Holy shit! Yeah, he almost got fucking whacked. Um, which is interesting because you know we're talking like about ideologies and stuff. He's not a Marxist. He's not. He would. Uh, there's some positions where he's kind of to the left of Bernie Sanders, especially on foreign policy. But he, I, I don't like Bernie Sanders, you know, has for a, we know for a fact he's read Marx. He's familiar with this stuff. He knows about class politics. Kucinich. He's got those stick and poke tattoos. It's like class <laughs> yeah. warfare and shit. He's done some DIY shit. Yeah. Kucinich is has always been a Democrat and looks at things through a liberal framework. Interesting. Yeah. So he, at the time, and this makes me wonder, if he had been a radical and he had said, this is in the 70s when, like, the radical left had more of a presence in the United States, if he had said, hey, Black Panthers, Young Lords, Socialist Workers Party, come to Cleveland, let's occupy this bank, let's fucking, let, let's do this thing, uh, let's make a fucking socialist society in Cleveland, I, he would have been whacked. Like, he would have been killed. Well, it's a good thing he was busy... Uh Prancing around, uh, reading, um, you know, the fucking, uh, what do you do like in theater school? Arto or <laughs> Sartre. I well, if you read Sartre, well, we don't have to, yeah. I was trying to remember the name of the, uh, the, the, the Scarlet Letter or some, f- uh, Nathan, uh, Hawthorne, something like that. No, uh, the Scarlet Pimpernel. I was trying to remember something from theater, which yeah. to be honest with you, I wasn't in very long. The in Music Man. Yeah. All right, well, that riff sucked. I might edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but he so he ends up getting voted out on his reelection. Re- Lay Miz. All right, Lay-Miz. there we go. Yes. That's what I was trying to think of. <laughs> Uh, and we'll continue. <laughs> Les Mis, Cleveland edition. <laughs> um, this really is like if Les Mis was in Cleveland, his whole saga. But <laughs> he gets... I was watching this interview from the 70s where they were talking to him, and uh, he... This is kind of a side note, but he was talking about how his administration and how he was um, including a lot of women, a lot of, uh, he said, African-Americans and ethnics. <laughs> which... Now sounds really fucking weird, but at the time, whiteness was still not as clear cut. So, like he, him being an ethnic mayor, it's not as big of a deal as a black mayor. Yeah, but it's still like kind of like Kucinich versus like Smith or something. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah. was kind of a big deal. And at the time, diversity also meant Irish people, Slovakian, you know, Polish. Um, that dude, that's such a seventies thing. Yeah, um, and that reminds me of I just did Kath Barbadura and Rachel Millman's um, uh, wrestling podcast, and we were talking about the history of like pro wrestling and how um, they used to have like before the before there was cable, like the national cable or whatever that so, to where everyone could keep track of their these these national stars. There were like these local factions. Mm-hmm. There was just a bunch of different state factions and. Um, and and because there were like still like you know ethnic neighborhoods and stuff like that, um, what like so for example when they made Hulk Hogan when they, like they thought up like your name is gonna be Hulk Hogan and your identity is gonna be this, they made him that because they were like you're gonna be the Irish guy because we already have one guy that's for the Italians. Hogan and, uh, is Irish. I, I thought guess, that was a German. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought it was confusing too, and <laughs> yeah. he doesn't seem very Irish. No. Um, he seems kind of Scandinavian to me, but yeah. but that was at least like the pitch that they explained right. was like, yeah, we need a fucking working class Irish guy because we already got this this Italian guy and like. What was their ethnicity? Were they fucking who? Itali- the p- people making up. Um, what? Who, uh, this is Vince McMahon who did this. Okay, so I'm sorry. I'm, that's an Irish name. That's weird. Okay. He, I don't know what the fuck Vince McMahon. He looks like a like a match. What is he? <laughs> to, he looks like this Pokemon called Machamp to me. <laughs> yeah. He's got that weird hair. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting because you know if you're like growing up right now, you're. I like, get my nunchucks from a Polish boxing gym. <laughs> yeah. You um. Very good crowd so far. Okay, so you pr- like we have a concept of just whiteness now yeah. that's kind of pervasive but it's it seems like that's been sort of a malleable thing throughout history and like there's been like yeah this whole different idea of different ethnicities and stuff and people like moving kind of in and out of whiteness in a weird way um i don't know but anyway go on okay so that was in the 70s he takes like a sabbatical from politics he like finds himself he becomes friends with shirley mcclain and gets into like meditation oh veganism and shit i see yeah george harrison Right, and then... Starts a podcast (laughs) about transcendental meditation. (laughs) Quits comedy, moves to L.A. (laughs) He basically did that, yeah. And then uh, in the 90s, Cleveland, the like all the fucking private um, electrical companies are like going bankrupt and like it's really... It becomes really apparent that this was a great thing that he did to save um the municipal electric company and also he saved the hospital like he did a bunch of shit that at the time cost him his career 
and uh, people didn't recognize it for like decades. Um, after which he got he ran for state senate, got elected there, then ran for Congress in '96, um, and was elected on like an anti-NAFTA platform. Um, interestingly, at the time, he was pro-life. Uh, he wasn't. Mm. He, he was pro-life up until he ran for president the first time. So that is one of those things that's like, um, it's interesting because he has a shtick, but you can tell he believes the things that he's saying, but he still is playing into the shtick, you know, like, uh, with abortion and shit. Um, I, I do honestly believe that he had a come to Jesus moment cause he's Catholic, um, and so that was like informing his view on it. And then he like probably during all that transcendental meditation, George Harrison. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. And he came back to Congress and was like, this is fucked up. There are. And this is something that is less controversial to point out now. But he's he was saying that not only am I pro choice now, but I'm going to fucking um, expose people who actually think that women should be jailed for having abortions um because that's kind of like the the and you know other podcasts have gone into this that's kind of the contradiction of the pro-life movement is because they'll say like yeah we we think abortion should be illegal but we don't want to like lock up or prosecute women who have them like that's doesn't make any sense logically yeah Um, and he pointed that out and he actually named members of congress who believed that and then they went on the air and denied it and they called him a joke and he was kind of written off. Damn. Yeah. Then he starts running for president and um, 2003, 2004. Um, and this is from the debate, uh, one of the, the Democratic primary debates in two, for the 2004 election uh, where they ask him, like, hey, why are you why are you here? Why are you staying in the race? And he says, I'm the voice for getting out of Iraq, for universal single payer health care, for getting out of NAFTA, the WTO, for having our children go to college tuition free. And then Larry King asks, asks him, like, so you're here to just make statements. And he asks him, like, is marriage inherently between a man and a woman? And he's the only person on the stage who says no. Um, and he says, goes on to say, and did he ever tell them where his lucky charms were? Because that <laughs> impression was incredible. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I noticed that because I think we might have talked about this before, but somebody just dr- dug up like an old clip about like his platform where John Stewart on the Daily yes. Show was like, you know, this guy's fucking wacko. What, what's next? Like, you know, uh, Chief Justice chick with a dick or whatever. Right. Because like, he said, the- yeah, he said that if uh, when he considering Supreme court nominee he said he would consider gay uh, gay people who consider transgender people which now republicans would say yeah uh but back then like that that was so weird to watch like john stewart like did, doesn't didn't seem like that long ago but that's a, make this incredibly transphobic joke well i think it tells you a lot about like the center and like the whole concept of a paradigm because yes. they you know if you there's a little like logical fallacy you're kind of getting into when you're like, no, we have to cling to the center because all you're doing is basing your politics on whatever is most acceptable and right. sort of like keeps your ego intact and you know yeah. isn't scary. But then if you know, everyone argues that there's some sort of merit in that because well, not everyone, but like you know, centrist liberals, David Simon, all these people, whatever, argue that that's like that that has to be done because, you know, the ship is going to get thrown off course if you go too far or whatever. But then, like, you you can look up now shit that these people said 10 years ago, which 
they completely would not stand by today. Yeah. And it, it violates, you know, their sort of uh, their 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 definite their their identity that they have like always been the people fighting for the best or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it is embarrassing to watch that John Stewart clip, you know. Yeah, it is. But and it's also because like he was. I mean, it's interesting because he treats politics and especially presidential politics kind of like. Uh, a band or like a you know or a comedian any like a, a a performer yeah because he instead of saying like I'm gonna be the most broad I mean there are performers like that too or like I'm gonna try to appeal to the most people he's like no I'm gonna find my fan base and like I'm gonna just be loyal to them and they're gonna uh, reward me for that and like yeah. so he had his ragtag bunch of anti-war activists in the 2000s who were like we this guy has credibility with us he's like, like an Eric Andre but he's running against <laughs> like Chris D'Elia yes exactly um, and now yeah it's it's I mean because that he's showing his dick to everyone and shit <laughs> 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 running on legalized ranch probably yeah um but his between so he ran for in 2004 and in 2008 between which time um he met his wife Elizabeth Kucinich who is twice as tall as him um which shouldn't be the first thing i say about her but that's you know how people remember her um she's british uh red hair um again i'm listing physical attributes first uh, because this is a reason he's made fun of is because he has this oh, hot yeah, wife yeah. and he's like this short guy, um, which is really stupid because uh, his wife is like a um, uh, academic. She's really smart. They they and the story they how they met is pretty incredible too. Um, he had a friend who's kind of like a guru who he was complaining to about being single and his friend was like you're searching for people just like let them come to you um and then the next day he had a meeting about monetary policy and And his friend the bhagwan yes (laughs) advised him (laughs) yeah he had this meeting about monetary policy and this uh woman elizabeth came to his office and they just like connected and then he like they started corresponding and then they met at a conference a few weeks later and when within the span of a few hours decided to get married. Wow. Yeah. I bet they fucked. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. You should before right. you marry especially someone like Dennis Kucinich. Yeah. Which like uh this was, you know, 10 15 years ago. That sound like if if someone that if that happened to my one of my friends would be like, "Yeah, that's not going to work out." But they they're still married. You know, yeah. it's true love. I I don't know. I, I'm not. That doesn't seem that crazy to me just because I've yep. had like experience. I've had relationships that started pretty quickly like that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, that does sound like something a manic depressive would do to me. Like if he was like super ramped up that week. Yeah. He'd be walking around just like, oh, my, I've been thinking about this all week. You got to listen to this Joe Rogan episode. All right. So it's like you and me, like I'm a politician and you have red hair and we're doing this right now. <laughs> but it's like it's happening right now. You know, <laughs> like, like if he was on that kick, yeah. you can start a relationship that way. Uh-huh. You know, she just has to stick around for when he crashes right. and watches a lot of streaming television. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's very interesting. Though. Yeah. It's, and he also doesn't care. That's a great. He's like, I don't like make fun of me and my wife. Like, that's fine. Like you do you. Um, he does seem like one of those politicians. The the radical guys are always just like whatever, you know. Like Bernie, like had like that famous story where someone came up to him and like uh, asked him to sign a 
uh, a book and they were like, can you get, sign, give, give it, my name is capitalism. Can you, you know, dedicate it to capitalism or whatever? And he's just like, whatever. And he just hands it back the book and it says like crapism or something like it didn't even, <laughs> didn't, wasn't even paying attention. Yeah. You know, he like, doesn't do selfies. <laughs> yeah. He'll like be rude to people. Yeah. Yeah. These people have, it seem to have like a, a different way of looking at everything. Right. Cause, Cause they're, they're running, in it because they believe they're not constantly worried about, their image they're, they're, they're like, running on an ideology as opposed to like yeah. a machiavellian brand thing uh-huh but he's all at the same time very shrewd politically so like this um he got redistricted in 2012 he's been a congress he was a congressman for a very long time but the, and he found his way to kind of finesse this very particular locality into like reelecting him a bunch of times even though people considered him a weirdo um, and then the Republicans in Ohio redistricted him out of office. Uh, this past year, he ran for governor on and did, considering all things considered, I had higher hopes, but uh, he did surprisingly well. He got like 20%, 30%, something like that. Um, but his platform was mostly anti-gun, which he m- may not have run on at, in a different race, but that was one of... Cordry's, if you're looking at it from sort of a liberal perspective, uh, that was his blind spot. He got an A rating for the NRA, so Kucinich gets a little pin that says F on it because he got an F from the NRA. Uh, very clever. Yeah, uh, and that this is one thing where I'm kind of like I'm kind of glad he didn't win because um, he ran on an assault weapons ban, which I'm in favor of as far as manufacturing and selling assault weapons. Mr. We- F, sorry, I just remembered from uh, <laughs> from. Um, Arrested Development. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that pin that means, you know, mentally r- retarded female. That was the joke from <laughs> a show from 10 years ago, clearly. Uh, go on, go on, go on. Uh, so he is running on this platform. Oh, so he wants to ban assault, all assault weapons, not only the sale, but also retroactively ban them for people who already possess them, which I think is insane. Like, that's, I'm, I'm not on board for that. Like, if he, and, and is, you know uh, that if he had, pat, like. That wouldn't have gone over very no. well. No, and this is a guy who actually would have tried to do that shit. If he got yeah. in office and it passed, he would have, he was like, we, we, we got to collect them. We got to go to the people of Ohio and tell them to give us back their guns. And, like, like that would have. I was just reading in the Bhagavad Gita that uh, <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you return your guns in, you'll feel, you'll feel light inside of you. <laughs> you'll feel a light. It'll be, you know, maybe not the one he wants. But, but yeah, you would have had the NRA alt-right descending on Ohio and fucking, you would have had a made possibly a bloodbath All right, that I Kucinich would have been like um, kind of responsible for. Like that would have been insane. Um, but it's it's funny because he, t- like I was saying, he has a shtick and he takes and he looks for what the most up-to-date language in activist circles is. And I was watching one of these debates and he keeps dropping the term safe space. <laughs> <laughs> he just caught up to right. So he's like, "What? What's?" The, and but but it's weird because he's still like looking at things through this liberal framework. So he'll be like, "What's the point of having a state if you can't have a safe space?" That's why we have a state of Ohio is to have a safe space. So we can't have guns in the safe space that is the state. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm maybe not completely in love with him then yeah that's a little silly but he's genuine like <laughs> right, he believes right, right, this right. shit like he's you. still a politician and he's gonna be corny to some extent uh 
But that would have been great to see him in there. I don't know. That is very like, hello, fellow kids. Yes. <laughs> Actually, it's not It's not hello, fellow kids. Cause it's not he's, he's pretending to be young. He's just like a curmudgeonly old person who's like, I hear you guys like rap music. Uh-huh. Well, let me break it down for you. <laughs> My name's Dennis Kucinich, and I'm here to say. <laughs> Give me I got your an guns. F from the NRA. <laughs> there you go. Ha-ha. <laughs> All right. So that is, that's, that's, I guess that's funny that he was using that sort of language. Yeah. Um. Because we all went, we we all learned that term f- at least five years ago, and that's why it's already been all the way through the cultural meat grinder, and now it's the thing that you know, fucking right wing freaks. Whoa, you need a safe space. Yeah, um, it's already post what it was originally meaning. Um, cool. Uh, do we have anywhere to go from here? Cassandra twenty twenty. That's no. Think? I mean, uh, I th- well, it's just like and We're this. Yeah, okay. Um, one of my biggest takeaway from the article is uh, he said in like 2003, 2004, he, he feels like Johnny Appleseed because he's going around planting <laughs> seeds all over the country. And that is true. You know, like, was he... he's fucking. Yeah. <laughs> was he... It would have been... I mean, it would have been interesting and great to see if he had been an actual leftist or socialist and yeah. he had gotten involved with like just the organizing shit in conjunction with he had ran like a Eugene Debs style thing yeah um but he didn't do that and you know he's still like an example of somebody who has principles and some of the things they believe in are naive and stupid uh but he actually believes in good shit and he's someone like to work with and to work in coalition with um, and there's going to be more of him, more people like him in the coming years. So I am hopeful, and I think, you know, maybe he'll find uh, a, a role in a future cabinet or a, as a, maybe a congressman again or mayor. That'd be cool. We'll see. Yeah, my man, Mayor Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> mayor, take your guns. Um, aside from that, uh, that, those couple of caveats in the last thing, the guns and the the hilarious safe space branding shit <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Um, very inspiring story. Very cool. Yeah. I'm um, on board, and I think I agree with your point about him, uh, you know, being someone who could be part of some sort of rehabilitation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, very cool. All right. Well, Rad, I think that's a good ep. Um, you know, as always, my tour dates are pinned to my uh, my Twitter, and uh, I'll update my website. I, I have this opinion that, like, having a website is, like, the only people that ever look at that are bookers, but I've had a few people go like, hey, I checked your website and there's nothing there. So, oh, God, yeah, I have you people from the past. Mm. I'll update my website and I'll put the tour dates up there. Um, but, yeah. Uh, also, if you're listening and you happen to be in Kansas City, go buy tickets to the show. It's at the barrel of the bottoms because I've been get offered a deal, that which is that if we can sell out the first show, I'll get a second show where I'm headlining, and I'll get to keep all that cash, and that'd be really cool. Um, but I don't know how much reach I've got in KC right now, so we'll play it by ear. Um, you want to plug anything? Uh, follow me at Anders Lee here on Twitter. Um, I will be at the Music Inn on Saturday, this coming the 19th, if you're in New York City, doing my one-man show, Dummy, uh, which is about being the type of person... Um, who is obsessed with Dennis Kucinich. If you are a Kucinich <laughs> expert, chances are we have a diagnosis in common. Um, starts with an A, ends with an autism. <laughs> and uh, check it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. 
Cool. Yeah, watch Dummy. I watch it. It's really good. Um, and also, uh, if you're if you've been a listener from the, to the show from the beginning, uh, don't worry. We won't do these excessive plugs all the time. But I just figured, you know, we just got we just got a little bump. Got that Chapo bump. So uh, we should get all this shit out of the way up front. And if you're if you're here from Chapo, welcome to uh, the pod. Good to have you guys. Rate, review, subscribe. Hit us up on Patreon. The more money we make, the more of this shit we can make. And we get the shit out there. And who knows? Maybe I'll get rated again. And it'll be, we'll relive the magic yeah. sometime next year. All right. Uh,